As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hear that podcast growling, mean and angry, hear that local shouting, it's Dainer and Jay, it's Dainer and Latest episode here that podcast grounds presented by the Sun Network, working for everyone. Paul Andrews, Jay Morrison of the Athletic are here working for you, Jay. How are we doing? Doing great. Glad to glad to be back home. Uh, uh, always an interesting week in Indy for the combine, and now I mean, here we go. Jesse Bates tagged. And free agency right around the corner, and this uh, truncated off season is is behind us, and we're, we are off and running in 2022. Gotta say, I kind of like this part now that we've made it through the hard part. Yeah, the the uh, the truncatedness of just really focusing on the big pieces, not over analyzing until we're dead in the face and repeating ourselves over and over and over again over the course of a month and a half. Um, you know, I could have used a, a little bit more time for a few things that we love to do to stretch out and have some time to really go into them. Uh, but hey, that's you're right. It's, it's right around the corner. I, I'm excited. It's and it's nice to be me and you sitting here just talking in a very normal way in our homes. Like uh, we, have, it's been a while. I'm I, between traveling and the Super Bowl and Indy and vacations and trying to find a way to to get it all to fit right. We're, we're back into the normal routine, breaking down the Bengals, talking about how they're going to get back and doing it in a, in a very comfortable fashion. I'm excited to be back doing it this way again. Hopefully there's no emergency pods that come up Thursday through Monday while I'm in Florida. Mm. Um, but I, I don't feel there will be. I feel like that is the last real dead period before this thing kicks off on Monday with the legal tampering period and then uh, next Wednesday where the, the new league year officially kicks off. Are you suggesting that people in the league do not break those rules and talk to anyone until Monday's legal tampering period begins? Are you are you saying everyone is very good law-abiding citizens, no conversations have been had, they first just start talking right there on Monday? Is that what you're suggesting? Uh, not at all, but <laughs> they are very, very careful about letting that get out. So it's amazing I, how it's amazing how these very complicated deals uh, are laid on the table as agreed upon 
first thing on Monday. So uh, <laughs> I, I think Monday, you know, it's interesting, and, and we're going to go through all this. We're going to talk about Jesse Bates' franchise tag and the fallout from that. There's a lot to discuss there. Our Choose Your Own Adventure is up now on the site, which we're very excited about. The uh, Choose Your Own Adventure offseason, we brought that back, and uh, if you want to get a real feel for how the Bengals truly view the offseason and some of the decisions they have to make, highly recommend doing that. Go to the site. The dollar subscription deal, I believe, is still going on. Get in there fast. It's going to probably wrap up soon, so um, dollar a month for six months uh and you can go in and and pick how you would fix the Bengals offseason it's a really good way to look at the consequences the financial limitations um of of the every move that you make and really through the eyes of how the Bengals front office views it which is the only one that really matters uh we're gonna talk about combine buzz too but um you know i the way that things have gone in free agency for them in recent years is this slow start, kind of a slow simmer. And then, you know, remember two years ago with Reader and Wayne's all happened, like I think Tuesday night, maybe after a day, a day and a half of action and the Bengals looking like they were absent. And I remember Tuesday afternoon being on with Mo Egger talking about like, oh, the Bengals are blowing it again. And here we go. And then last year it was, I guess they're not going to sign any offensive linemen. Right. And then all of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. They've eventually, by the time Tuesday and Wednesday have come along, found themselves inside of some zeal. So I'll say to everyone, ineffectively, I'm sure, have some patience next week. Understand that it's a long time. I, and I know none of this is going to happen. No one was going to feel patient Monday night when not a single offensive lineman has potentially agreed to anything with the Bengals or however it goes. Uh, but understand that, that in the last couple of years, which can only be viewed as very successful free agent periods and off seasons, they have been slow starters and then ramped up as the week has gone along. I'm fully anticipating that. And Jay, I'm sure you are too as your, the tail end of your vacation uh, works its way into Monday morning. Yes, I'll, I will be driving. I'm not driving to Florida. We're flying to Florida, but we're flying out of Cleveland because the flights were cheaper out of Cleveland. So I will be landing in Cleveland Monday morning and then uh, monitoring Twitter on the drive home, uh, either multitasking or trying to convince my wife to handle that drive home and I can just be on Twitter the entire time. There you go. Uh, so, and on, by the way, we're going to be on emergency pod watch next week. So no scheduled podcast like we're going to have most Tuesdays as we go through the off season. Um, it's strictly going to be, uh, all right, things have happened. New stuff has come to light. Let's fire off pod. Um, expect, I would expect a couple of those next week because you're going to have obviously a bunch of moves that are going to be made. Most notably, what do the Bengals do in trying to fix their offensive line? We will get to that in a second. Let's start with Jesse Bates. Um so the Bengals placed a franchise tag on Jesse Bates, $13 million, 12.9, depending on how how specific you want to be. And it concludes a deadline period where they were working on a long-term extension. And we've been talking about this and about how it, you know, the the mileposts of this have been very simple for a long time. This was the latest one that went past. This one felt different than the previous in that it really felt like the Bengals thought this was when it was going to happen. And things really seem to set up for this being, obviously they will continue to talk. They can continue to talk. The true kind of be all end all on this thing is going to be mid July. Uh, when at that point they need to get a long-term deal done or he plays the year on the one year, $13 million franchise tag. It, but this felt like a big moment in time and it passes and you know, Jay, you you end up with a, a statement coming from the team 
that didn't sound the, <laughs> the most optimistic <laughs> that this thing's going to get done in the future, did we? It didn't. And you, you wonder, I mean, those statements are so carefully crafted and you just, you, yes, I think Bengal fans would have liked to have seen something that we, we are interested in keeping Jesse Bates here long-term, but it's, it's, it's all, it's all part of the negotiating ploy. They, they need to make it sound like they can survive and be just fine if, if he doesn't come to a long-term deal. So I just, I don't know. I, I, I think it was intentional that they didn't mention anything beyond 2022. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily know how much that, that, that means other than it was just, they're, they're just keeping their, I don't know if you want to say your, their cards close to the vest because they are in negotiations with Jesse's agent. It's it, they, they, they both sides know where the other side stands right now, but it just, it, you don't want to say we would love to have him here beyond then because then that gives the Jesse and his agent and the impression that they've, they've got an edge there and, and they can ask for more. It just, I, I think, as I said, those, those statements, when they come out in a, in a press release like that, they are, they are gone over a few times to make sure everything sounds right. So it's, it's not an off the cuff quote that you would get if you sit down and interview somebody. And that's my point. And, 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 you know, we've, it's not like this is the only thing that we've heard about how these discussions have gone. We've heard a lot about what has gone on behind closed doors or in open hallways at the West and <laughs> <laughs> right next to us. Uh, but, you know, the quote, the quote was this, Jesse is, this is from Katie Blackburn. Jesse's been an outstanding player here for four years. Over the past year, we've tried to extend his contract here in Cincinnati. And while that hasn't come to pass, we want him here for 2022 to be a part of what we think should be an exciting football season and bright future for our organization. You know, I mean, that's just it. It's it's about this year. I, I think you can say that. And here's the other thing we know about this. The other thing we know about this is some big deals are off in the in the future, <laughs> namely the quarterback, the wide receiver. You know, we're talking about Higgins. We're talking about Burrow. We're talking about Logan Wilson. We're talking about some significant deals. We're talking about an offensive line that still needs to be fixed. At what point was this their last chance to really get this done? Because the world, the financial world they see themselves in, will be very different on July 15th than it was today. This la this effort here was a way to get him in before all that, to get him in and accounted for for the long term before any of the rest of this stuff gets going, which what's what is going to happen now over the course of the next couple of months. And you wonder if what happened in this negotiation um, of – them not being able to find the common ground on guaranteed money, on total money, on whatever it is that Jesse feels like he needs or the team feels like they need to make this deal was really the last chance to really make it happen because the world is going to look very different in July than it does right now when you come to, well, how do we fit this in now? Look at all we spent on the offensive line, and now you're starting to think even more about what does the Borough War Chest, you know, kind of look like, and 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 how many players do you try to add to the secondary market? You know, well, we could do this, or we didn't feel like we quite did this right. We can add this, 
and, and how much you start taking out of you know it's 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 a lot easier to get in there first than it is to try to find the piece of pie that's left for you at the end. Yeah, I mean, forget July fifteenth. Their their balance sheet could look drastically different on March fifteenth. Yeah, I mean, you you said if they come out of the gate slow at free agency, typically, but March fifteenth is a week from today. They they could have a couple deals agreed to absolutely by this time next week or by you know Tuesday evening next week. So yeah, it's it. I, I still if if it's a reasonable amount, if if he's not which it sounds like he is attempting to to reset the safety market, which that's just that doesn't look like it's in the plans for this organization. But if if he wants to be here long term and wants to be paid in the range where I think kind of what we had on our choose your own adventure, a 15.5 million annual salary, it seems like that could still get done. But if 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 Bates and his agent, David Mulgetta, want to be paid as the top safety in the league, that's just – that's not – if you're talking getting up in that 18, 19, 20 million per year range, that's just not feasible for this team. Even – take Burrow out of it. I just – I don't know. We, we talk all the time about them valuing certain positions over others. I, I don't know – that they are going to be willing to go that high. I, as early as yesterday, I thought there was a really good chance that they they could still come to a long term deal. And, and with each passing moment, it's, it just I, more and more skepticism creeps in. Yeah this 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 one felt different than last year. There still felt like okay, we're just kicking the can down the road. Mm-hmm. And I think there's still road for the can to be kicked to. But that that road is gravelly. It's not nice and paved like this one was. You know, it's like some shady road off to the side that you get off on a highway and like you know in the middle of nowhere in in Kansas. <laughs> and and you just and, and you're just like you know what I'm not going down that road right if that's what it feels like where we're at here. And here here's the other interesting side of this. And then I this is really hard because anybody in their job wants especially one where you. You have leverage once in your life, really, to set yourself up for life, once to feel like you got the most out of it. But we know this. Like, at what point do we talk about what is the fine line that we walk between getting peak value, feeling like you're getting paid everything you're worth, versus security, contentment, mental health, happiness where you're at, Versus uncertainty of where you could be and risk of losing all of that, right? There's all of that should be weighed here. And and from Jesse's side of things, a guy who was openly worn out by this last year and frazzled and and got into a a bad headspace about all of it because he wasn't playing super well, numbers weren't reflecting well. You're worried that you're blowing your opportunity on your, you know, in your last year, your contract year. And and it and it does mess with your head. Are you like, man, getting you know you're gonna get franchise tagged if you don't agree to the deal. It's just a weird thing to say, I'm gonna go down that road again. I'm gonna chance going down that road again of playing here in one year, $13 million, and again. 
Yes, you're betting on yourself. There's nothing wrong with betting on yourself. Always bet on yourself. That's great. But man, when you've got a bag secured and and life-changing, game-changing money, are you going to say, no, I'm going to pass on that and I'm going to go through another year of this risk, another year of risk in order to get a couple million dollars more per year or a certain amount more of a guarantee in the way that I want it if I hit the open market, you know, what is that worth? And obviously, you know, everybody, everybody's different and I, and you, you, people do them. So do you, right? Everybody should do you. But I think that makes it a very difficult decision when you start talking about, okay, is a two to $3 million gap or maybe a five, a guarantee percentage down the line gap. How much is that worth? And how much is there an understanding that if they sign you long-term here, they want you to get every penny and play on you trying to get every penny. Um, it's a, it's, it's a very fine line and it makes for, made for, I'm sure a very complicated spot for Bates. I'm just what he went through last year. You know, you wonder how he feels about potentially having to go through that again. Yeah. But on the other hand, I I think this is, it's not so much doing it again. I think there's a big difference here because last year there was that giant question mark out there of, of would it get done and what happens if I get hurt? And you're right. That, that rookie deal is it's nice money for, for the average person, but this is different. This he he's guaranteed $13 million. That's for many people. That's life changing. I, I would, I would venture to say from where Jesse Bates came from, that's life changing. If he never makes a dollar after this year. So you at least know you've got that last year. It was, on, it was in his head so much because what if he does get hurt and he, in in you know, God forbid it's career ending and, and you never get that chance. Or even if it's bad enough where it blows your chance of getting the, the big deal. Now, at least you've got this this one year and, and you you almost come to peace with the fact that that this is it, that that it's not a question anymore. I'm going to play this year on the tag and then I'm going to move on. I'm going to go into free agency. It's I, I think he's going to be in a better headspace this year, he he may be angry about being tagged and disappointed that it didn't work out. But I mean, thirteen million dollars is a, is a pretty nice cushion to fall back on. Yes, you would like to have the the, the three four long, four year deal to to really really generational money. But I, I think that this is gonna be different. I, I don't know that he's gonna be in his head, and it, it's gonna affect him mentally this year the way it did last year yeah i mean you're talking you're talking what are the you know and i guess this is probably the conversation that he's having with his agent who Mm. is a very high power broker agent i mean this is represents the biggest baddest uh in the business deshaun watson Jalen ramsey you name it i mean these guys that have been not afraid to use their leverage and wield it um and maybe we're seeing a portion of that here with jesse but you know you're also talking about, well, what, is, what are the guarantees you're giving up? So so if the Bengals are only offering X amount in guaranteed money anyway, and you're Jesse Bates, you're saying, okay, well, if you're only offering me $15 million guaranteed over four years, even if it's a four-year, you know, 
$56 million contract or $50 million contract, whatever you're talking about for them at 14 per or whatever the Bengals are offering. You know, how how much of that is guaranteed to me? And it might not, how much more than 13 even is that? So if you're his side, you're saying, what? what's the difference between just taking my $13 million guaranteed and playing again and betting on myself and then hitting the market next year knowing someone's going to pay me those guarantees. Someone's going to give me all that money if it's not you. But it, But then it goes back to the same conversation of situationally, where would you rather be? Do you want to be in the place that you know you're going to be happy, you know you're going to be content, you know you're going to make a bunch of money, and you can have a bunch of money guaranteed, and there's a good chance they're you know, when they they draft you and develop you and sign you to a long term deal, they want you to stick around. They want you to be Tyler Boyd. They want you to be Sam Hubbard. There's not a there's some and more much more in recent history, but there is not a long line of draft, develop, retain, cut bait on where after a couple of years that deal went super sideways and they cut their own guy. Always, almost always willing to give those guys the benefit of the doubt, give them the extra year, much less now recently. They've been much more like the rest of the league here recently, so let's not make them into Saints. They have not been. Not New Orleans Saints, general Saints. <laughs> the Saints will cut your ass. Okay. But <laughs> uh but you know, they but so they have not been they've been much more get pulling that knife out. And willing to. However, we we know what they are here and the loyalty that's a part of this organization in general. And so it's – I think it's a very tough decision, but it, it felt to me more this time like it's come to pass. And we don't – you don't know specifically. You you know you're not you're not in Jesse Bates's living room and, and and hear how he's talking this out and and feeling himself about this happening. But you know we do know that this was a real tough spot. But it looks like it's going to be a, another chance to negotiate for the long term deal. But it feels far less likely. I think Jesse's going to have to decide. Screw it. Sign me up. I'm coming back for less. I'm I'm, I'm just going to go to them. In, in July, or it's going to be play the franchise tag and understand that that's the end. Because that money ain't going to be around when they start talking about having to pay Lyman, pay Burrow, pay Higgins, pay Logan Wilson. They're not going to invest in a safe. They're not going to put more money into a safety at that point. It's just, it's a different, it's a different environment. Yeah. I'm, I'm always fascinated by that conversation when, when something like that comes up and, and, a player says, screw it, just sign me up. And the agent's like, no, 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 we can't do that. And they're, they they both have their own interest. It, it, you, it, you think of it as they are working as a team, but they've, they've got, they've got their own interest as well. And that, that's the really fascinating side where would, would that come to pass where, where Jesse caves, so to speak, and says, just, just take what they're, they're offering. And the agent doesn't want to, um, I, I don't know how those conversations work. That would be a fascinating room to be a fly on the wall in and just to, to kind of hear how that they work through that part of it. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the agent is supposed to be working for you, but it doesn't always work that way. And I'm not saying that's the case at all here. I'm right. saying across the league, you see this all the time. It's why players and agents split and you have all kinds of issues. Um, it's, it's, it's really important and for players to understand that the agent is working for you and can do whatever you really want. But uh, a lot of times it feels like it's the other way around. Again, I'm not saying at all that's what's going on here. I'm just mm-hmm. saying that is something that does happen across the league. Um, 
So that's kind of the bait situation. I mean, I think we, we talked that out and it'll be interesting to, to catch up with Jesse next time we get a chance to, um, whenever that ends up being, whenever he wants to talk, whenever we can catch up with him somewhere about where he's at with all this, because, you know, what we heard from him before was obviously a lot of hope to get it done. And knowing that this was going to be an interesting few weeks and he feels like he's uh, the best safety in football and certainly played like it uh, in the playoffs and made a very big difference for this team. But um, there's a, a lot of different aspects that made this very complicated. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, let's let's uh let's spin it forward. Let's our choose your own adventure sheet is is out. If you have not seen it yet, please uh, go on over there. You just go and download a uh, your own copy of the Google Sheet or the Excel sp- or download the Excel spreadsheet off there. And you can read through and go through the whole off season. We you cut players, you sign free agents, you re-sign your own, you add three rounds of draft picks, and figure out how to make it all fit under the cap. Now. Oh, the Bengals cap. Oh, the Bengals cap. Everybody's favorite topic, right? How the Bengals view the salary cap. They have so much money, right? Well, they view it differently. We talk through this every year. People get mad at us every year. We are not here to tell you how they should do it, how the rest of the league does it. We are here to tell you how they do it and how you should view their free agency perspective, okay? So that's why this exists. That's why we created this. It's a perfect way to see it. it. Trust me, we know what you're looking at on that sheet is kind of how the Bengals view it. It is how the Bengals view it. I can tell you that, and that's why we created it this way. We've we, we both been covering this team for a decade now. We know how they view finances. We know how they view all of this world. Um, so this is kind of an accurate representation of what they're looking at. And so it includes a bunch of spots open, and we ended up giving them – a $37 million working range of real, basically real money. They typically take their cap number. Basically, you're going to subtract 10 to 15 million off of that for how they allocate things differently um, for expenses that they will be paid by the end of the year. And they always do. They end up, they end up right somewhere in that eight to 13 range in total cash spend, total cap spend. Every year they spend about the same level. They just choose to go about it a little more, uh, a little differently here and not pile it all this time of year, but kind of view it as a, a bigger picture. So it ended up with a bunch of decisions. We have QB two, running back two, tight end one. Every offensive line position is open because we wanted to leave open the, pos- the possibility of signing a, a expensive left tackle and moving Jonah Williams if you wanted to. He's available in all the different spots. Uh, offensive tackle three, 
Edge three, which Joseph Osai is an obvious option there. The three technique position, which they have nobody signed to currently. Uh, the third defensive tackle, the third linebacker, cornerback two, cornerback three. The safety position has Jesse Bates as a franchise tag, but you can choose to do as an extension that maybe would cost more. Uh, Von Bell is there. You could potentially cut him. Trey Waynes, you could potentially cut. Trey Hopkins, you could potentially cut. Brandon Wilson, you could potentially cut. Kevin Huber, Clark Harris, can you bring them back? Do you want to go a cheaper out there? All those are options. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk through our sheet and how we view it. I think it's going to bring up the conversations that the Bengals are going to be having and that that you all will need to be having over the course of them hitting free agency when players start agreeing to terms on Monday. So let's just go down the line, Jay. Uh, let's start here. QB2, Brandon Allen is mark it down we, we really yeah. we didn't even really need to put this one in there uh he is a free agent um but it's 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 pretty much it's as much as set in stone as anyone yeah i so i'm i did this last year i'm going to do it again this year where i i look at all we ask you guys and you guys have been great you've you're you're i was working into the night last night because you guys have been so great um sending me your screen caps of your sheets and I'm logging all of them and putting them into surprise, surprise an Excel spreadsheet. So I can kind of count up in percentages of where everybody stood. And that is, um, almost, I've got about 40 of them logged so far. And that is almost unanimous. I have one person that went third round pick at QB two, but everybody else is bringing Brandon Allen back. Um, there, there, there's a few spots that are like that, that are just kind of no brainers. Um, I, I do want to say real quick is I, I love our listeners. I love our readers, but what is wrong with you people? Why can't you follow directions? The, the, the part about draft picks has just has me so frustrated because we were pretty clear about who you could and who you could not take. And were you, you know, criticizing the listeners already? We're just getting started. It, it makes it so hard to do this because it's like, <laughs> well, do, should I throw this one out because they're taking a guy who is in Dane's top 100 at 37 in the third round? That's not realistic. And and that's that's what we told you. You can't take anyone above 30 in the first round. You can't take anyone above 64 in the second round and so on. And people, I think, I don't think people ignored it. I think people just didn't bother to read. They just went straight to the sheet, started filling things you in. You think people didn't read the whole story, Jay? They, yes. They either they didn't understand the assignment. The what kind of world do we live in? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it is frustrating. And and then in some uh, one person even said, uh, I know these draft picks aren't realistic, but I went by PFF's mock draft, and that was the best I, I had. It's like, what do you mean that's the best you have? We we actually put the link in the story to Dane's top 100. Couldn't have made it easier to, to you, for you to pick the players that were available and the ones that were not. So that's what I'm struggling with right now is, is – which one of these, which of these to throw out and not count because they're not realistic and, and, or do I just keep them all in and do the math and, and figure out what the percentages are, even though some of these are just totally, it's never going to happen. Jay airing of the grievances before we even get started <laughs> already. Uh, well, so we'll go down the line. Brandon, now the other thing about Brandon Allen, just to put a tie bow around that before Jay complains more is, uh, <laughs> is look, Allen and Burrow have developed a really great relationship. They they really like each mm-hmm. other. They trust each other. The the team trusts Allen to come in and, and make some plays if they need him to. You know, that's important. And Brian Callahan talked about that with us at the combine about 
that's really important. That relationship of the backup quarterback. When you have the star QB, that relationship is really important. And they value that a ton. So people saying, bring somebody else in, whatever. Don't screw with that room. Don't screw with your franchise quarterback. That's kind of like a, you like Brandon, you want to keep Brandon around, let's keep Brandon around if it keeps you comfortable. Because we're comfortable with him. And I think that's a big part of that. So we've spent way too much time on QB2, <laughs> Jay. We've got a long way to go. We haven't gotten to the line yet. So tight end one. Uh, or excuse me, running back two, Samaje Pirine. I think most people, I'm assuming, have him right. This is a this is a Pirine, uh, Chris Evans sort of combo. Um, you could choose, I guess, to cut. Pirine's not going to save you a ton of money. Uh, you, he's under contract already, or you know, you'd be save a, a, a veteran salary. So I mean, it's it's. I, I think they're just going to. Probably stick with that. They're not. They're certainly not out in the running back business. Maybe late in the draft. Maybe you would see them bringing another guy uh, in round five or six or seven or something like that. But you know, they, they're comfortable with P. Ryan as a pass protector. They're comfortable with the development of what Chris Evans can be. Uh, you've got the whole that dynamic in that room. I think worked well for them, and everybody's under contract. Yeah, we, we can just move on to t- tight end one because that, that is the case. That's almost everybody that submitted sheets so far has been unanimous there, too. Some people said put Chris Evans in instead of Samaj P. Ryan, um, but it, it is. it's That's that's a P. Ryan slash Evans spot. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about tight end. So CJ is, is it, along with the three technique guys, the, the, the most interesting cases in free agency. We've talked a lot about what they, why they would or would not bring CJ back. We meant, talked at length about it last week in Indianapolis, so I won't go too much more into CJ. We know his value. What's he going to cost? Will they be able to bring him back? Let's talk about, you know, if they aren't or if they are trying to, okay, maybe we have to let CJ go in order to get the second offensive lineman that we really want. I'd be interested to see. CJ would be the one just because of his personality and who he is. Maybe they get him done before this thing even really gets rolling and he doesn't hit the market. Most guys at this point would rather just see what the market's going to say uh, before they officially sign up. But, you know, the rest of, you know, you've already got Jasicki, Schultz, and Joku, the three top guys on the market, all franchise tagged already uh, um, as of the moment of this recording. So you get into guys like Vets, Zach Ertz, Rob Gronkowski. You know, or are we looking at somebody younger? At OJ Howard on a cheaper deal, Mo Ali Cox, Gerald Everett, or some of the names. You know, the, the interesting names to me are these are some of these vets, Burrow Factor, right? That are looking mm-hmm. for some Burrow Factor. They're looking for some guy that can help get them a ring, or they're interested in. You know, Gronk has been linked to the Bills. What does that look like? What, what are those one year? How willing would they be to do something like that if? CJ passes, and are you looking? Are you know what? Buy into the Gronk show, do some Zach Ertz, and really turn this offense on its side. You know things like that. I don't know how willing they would be, but I think it's an interesting discussion that was that when you really started going through the sheet. It is interesting. The other variable there is both Ertz and Gronk already have rings. It's it's not that guy kind of getting to get the end of his career and, and trying to get the one ring to kind of put the cherry on top of his, his career. So that's a little different with, with those two guys. Um, but they also it have is a lot of money. Yes. And both have a lot of money. <laughs> um, so that, that 
it is interesting. Um, but I, it just, it feels, and, and we went into this in, in Indy, it, it feels like CJ Uzama is, is going to be back at around that 7 million mark. He just means too much to this, this team in the locker room as well as on the field. And it's, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a comfort thing. We, they, they talk about this all the time where maybe there's a guy out there that has better numbers and he looks like a better option, but they, it's still a risk. You don't know. Whereas the, the person you have in the building and you know, everything about them, it's just, it's the safer play. And, and sometimes that's the better play. But we know one thing about the Bengals. Here's the value we have placed upon you. Yep. And that is what we will pay you. It's where we are willing to go. And if you are not, we will find somebody else at a value. We believe they are valued at to take your spot. No matter who you are often in free agency. And so I, the question is like, how does the league, how does the league value CJ will be the question surrounding tight end one. If somebody else values him more and he decides to go elsewhere, I guess that could happen. Certainly could happen. Then you start talking about the OJ Howards of the world, the Mo Alley Coxes, the, you know, the Gerald Everett's, whoever. And maybe then you're looking at the second and third wave of free agency. And that's where the borough factor will be strongest because a lot of the money will be even. You can free yourself up for a little bit more money there. So I, I think there's some guys who saw OJ Howard has showed up on a lot of sheets, things like that, where, okay, you've now got an extra three, $4 million to play with in another area, namely the people that would line up next to him which we will get to right now. You know, again, we've talked about the, the the offensive line so much. People are like, oh, you know, they're linked to this guy and they're linked to that guy. Yes, they are linked to everyone. They are talking to all of these guys. This is where the free agent money is going to be spent. I don't know how many times I can say this. This is where the free agent money is going to be spent. The offensive line, they're going to be trying to find a couple of guys uh, to sign up here. There may be smaller deals elsewhere and retaining their own guys elsewhere. This, the new guys, the new free agent money is going to come from here. So they are still figuring out exactly who that's going to be. because they're, they're, they're talking to everybody, obviously talking to everybody. Oh, we love you. We love you. We love you, we love you so much. We think you're great. We want to bring you in. <laughs> but they are still figuring out exactly who that is. Let's dive into that. Let's let's rank them, right? Who are the guys we really want at these values that that the front office has placed upon them? How can and, and what does that look like? You know, and that's where you decide. You know what? It's just worth it to pay DJ Reader fourteen million because we like him so much more than everybody else, or whoever, or Trey Hendrickson, or whatever. And that's where you end up in these conversations. I found it really interesting to see, you know. What how people view this because you've you've got all different price points available to you. I still think it starts with center, and you know we already hear and feel like okay, is a bidding war going to start for Ryan Jensen? I think he's their number one target. I think he will be their number one target. Uh, but they're not. They're just not going to chase the money. And if a bidding war starts, I think Jensen ends up way out of their price range. Yeah, I do too, and. You worry how, you worry about how many of those guys end up outside of their price range. If, if you, you said it, they they have a value, they're going to get to that point, and if if the money goes beyond that, then they move on to the next. Well, there's only so many out there. You can only move on to the next so many times before there's none left. Um, I think the one one thing that's going to be really interesting is that that this could be a Bengals Rams battle again. 
It was just a couple weeks ago they're going out in the Super Bowl, and it could be in the free agency because if you, you look at the teams that really need to help free agent-wise on the off, at the interior offensive line, the, the Rams have a couple guys and Brian Allen and Austin Corbett about to hit the market. Maybe they re-sign them. Um, but it, the, the Bengals, I think most of the bidding is, is going to go crazy outside for the tackles. I, I don't think there's going to be as many teams – going hard at these interior guys. So that hits the Bengals a little bit better, but they're still teams need interior linemen. It's teams need linemen period. It's just, it's, it's the way the game has gone. There are fewer and fewer of them and fewer and fewer quality ones, I should say. And it's going to be interesting to see how many times they pass on one of these big name interior guys, because they went above their price range. If it's a guy you really like and, and the pool starts shrinking more and more, you you, you can't stick to that. You, you're, they're going to have to overpay, it feels like, to, to if that's what they want to do is, is beef up the interior of this line and, and kind of let tackle sort itself out in the draft and throwing all these pieces, Deontay Smith and Hakeem Adeniji and all those guys and hoping one of those guys can develop into your, your right tackle. If they're going to go over and if they're going to really spend, you know, we heard it last week from Duke Tobin, it better be worth it. And we know they view worth it as not someone who's 30. And so if you're looking at where, who are those guys, right? I mean, you mentioned Corbett and that's why a lot of my eyes kind of come back to him plays in the system has been more than solid, uh, is young, or you can go to another way. I mean, how do you feel about Connor Williams? Young, these guys that are younger, how do you feel about James Daniels from the Bears? I think if you're looking at the ones that they'd be willing to reach for, look at the age. You know, They're just going to be much more willing to extend themselves for somebody they feel like they're really getting in the prime, maybe even an ascension stage of their career, than they are some name that you know that's got some wear on them. And, and, and that's why you know, I talk about Jensen. Like, look, we just seen this team do this too often. I mean, we're talking about Joe Tooney. We're talking about Kevin Zeitler. We're talking about all these guys we've seen them in recent years just not even end up in the range with. They're just not going to go there. So if Jensen ends up going up, they're not going to go there. If Lakin Tomlinson ends up going up, they're not going to go there. Would they like to have those guys? Yes. What is the is there a bidding war? How much does that look like? You know, probably a lot. You know, and and so you 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 then end up in a situation where you're poking around in this. 7 to 12, you know, the range that we have here, the names that we put in here with prices. And again, getting these prices right is hard. No one can predict where the market's going to land on all these guys. Even the people who are in the middle of it, even their agents can't necessarily. There's a lot of agents who, uh, you know, lose clients and and have trouble getting business because they're not very good at predicting their own clients' markets. So I think that we're going to sit here and be able to say that completely accurately is impossible. But trying to ballpark it, you know, where, where does Tomlinson, where does Daniels, where does Corbett, Norwell's older. Alex Kappa, like, is that does that move the needle for you? And potentially in an eight to ten million dollar range, should you look further down the bargain area? Ted Karras stands out to me. You know, when we're talking about a veteran guy, again, veterans that could be a little bit cheaper. Perhaps it's where you go. 
you know, maybe you come out of this and you swung and missed a couple of times, and now you're banking on what Dane Brugler predicted that you that in today's in his mock draft that came out today, and that's Tyler Linderbaum of Iowa slides to 31 somehow. You're looking, you're drafting center. You're hoping to hell that happens. Maybe you're trying to trade up on draft night because you didn't get it and everybody knows it. Maybe you don't get guard and you're like, man, we got to trade up and get one of Kenyon Green or Zion Johnson on draft night. We got to do that. Or you're banking more on, you know, they're going to spend money on the line somewhere. It just becomes a matter of who does that be and how much confidence do you have in those guys. But some of those names, you know, so what did you have? Where did your five land, Jay? So going back to your point about youth being so important here, I, I went James Daniels. I mean, he's going to be 20. He's, he's played four years in the league and he's going to be 24 on opening day next year. He's a baby. I mean, there is, there is a lot of upside there. So I went, I went James Daniels at right guard and moved Jackson Carmen back to left, not back to left, but just over to left. Um, I, I kept Jonah Williams at left tackle. I, unless they go out and, and get a Teron, Teron Armstead or somebody like that, which I don't expect them to not do. Happening. You're not moving Jonah Williams off left tackle. So Jonah at left tackle, Jackson Carmen at left guard, James Daniels right guard. I threw Deontay Smith in there at right tackle, but again, that's going to be a wide open conversation. I've got a third round pick at, at, at your swing tackle, and then I want Bradley Bozeman at center. All right, let's just take a quick break. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I have Jonah left as well. Um, I have them kind of going after Lake and Tomlinson and, and landing him at left guard. Ben Jones is my guy at center for $7 million, who's a, more of a veteran stopgap. I think they're drafting center again. Um, and, and Jones is kind of like maybe they maybe there's a prove-it deal in there. You know, kind of like Ogan Joe. Ogan Joby was younger, but I mean, maybe there, there's another. Maybe there's some kind of a deal there um, that makes him a little cheaper. But I, I kind of went that. Right? There's a number of different ways you could you could kind of look at that. Um, maybe it is Bozeman. You know, I, but I, I think Bozeman's market's going to end up more expensive than people are comfortable with, mm-hmm. and and he's he's just he's okay. I mean, is that what you want? You're going to spend a bunch of money for a guy who feels okay. They don't do that. <laughs> they don't spend a lot of money for guys they think are okay. They feel like they can find other ways to fill that. Uh, and then I have Karras at guard as well, and then Deontay Smith at right tackle. So you have the kids backing up again, banking on development with banking on Smith, Prince, 
a draft pick uh, developing into a right tackle, and perhaps there's some sort of veteran one-year, two-three bargain replacement type who you throw into the depth cycle at tackle as well. Um, who, who you know, like last year we saw with Leno, with Moses, who came, who came available in June and July, and ended up being very nice stopgap signings for teams. Uh, and so you look for potentially something like that. Again, we're this is not counting cap casualties that are going to happen over the course of the next week as well. That'll be in this mix. Zeitler was that last year on came out on Friday, and then by Monday morning he was signed and gone. But you know, those are guys that can also be placed into this mix and be part of this competition. But I think they'd be comfortable on opening day in saying, you know what, one of Smith, Prince, these guys are going to develop, someone's going to come out, and, and we're willing to do that more at tackle than we are at guard and center. And it's crazy for me to sit here and say, I just gave them three free agent interior offensive linemen, <laughs> but talk about the burrow effect. That would be the new burrow effect is can Joe burrow convince this team? Look, I need interior linemen build my pocket. I have great pocket presence. I have great ability to work the pocket. If I have one, the only time I don't have one is if my guys in the middle are getting killed, I can work the edges. I can work the edge pockets. He does it over and over and over again. When the pocket collapses from the middle is when you've seen him struggle. So that's where they should invest. Yeah, I mean, they. when I did that story about all the sacks, that's what Brian Callahan said. He almost, he almost, Burrow almost relishes the idea of a, a free runner coming off the edge. He knows what he, he knows how to handle that, how to get away from it. It's, it's, the, that's where the, the money needs to go is on the interior and you and the other factor there is that you've got guys. I know a lot of people kind of roll their eyes. They see what Isaiah Prince did in the Super Bowl, but he wasn't. He was a a solid enough guy outside of that game. And Deontay Smith, there's a lot of hope in him. And even a Hakeem Adeniji could be a swing tackle who could fill in for you from time to time. It's it doesn't feel as barren on the edges at tackle as it does interior. They that that. That's what Burrow wants. That's where he wants the protection. And, and that's where the, the better value is, is in free agencies. There are guys, I mean, you've got them signing three interior linemen in free agency. I, I, I think maybe it's two. It could be three. I, I think two is where it lands. But the, it, it, this is where this is what's going to happen next week. The, the, the offensive line and the interior of the offensive line specifically is going to be what they target early with with the the big dollar signings if they don't tap out if the market doesn't go crazy because the cap is higher this year everyone needs offensive line it could turn into a crazy bidding war and that that's going to be really interesting to see how far the Bengals are willing to push it before they tap out which is why i expect monday to be frustrating (laughs) yes (laughs) because they're not going to go up with the bids but they're going to hang around with the value on the guys that they value when the guys that they valued correctly are still available, as they will be, on Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever. Um, that's when they'll sign those deals, and that's when people will feel better. So, again, that's what I anticipate you're probably going to end up experiencing the roller coaster of next week. So buckle up. You're going to, you're going to chug up the hill, right? Jay, you're a roller coaster guy. Like you get, you're going to, you're going to get, you're going to be clicking your way up and you're going to be real frustrated because the car in front of you is having fun. Like, you know, they're, they're having fun. And all all I got to do is do this, this, this very patience killing click. I'm frustrated. I'm starting to feel 
concerned and nauseous, and I just want to ride the damn ride. You got to wait and understand that the payoff will come eventually. You will go over the hill, just maybe not as early as you as you hoped you would. And then hopefully nobody like you know throws salt in your eyes or something from the front seat. <laughs> Who would do that? Who would do that, Jay? On the beast at night when you're a high schooler. <laughs> I still I, I I get I get hit for this. It was not me. It was a friend of mine. <laughs> you just I was an accomplice. It. I was not the actual perp. All right, so that's that's and I think you know I I, I mentioned I had three guys. I'm with you. I mean I think take a guy like I have Karis in there, whoever replace put bargain replacement. Quentin Spain, whatever, who's kind of that sixth free agent, sixth guy in your offensive line, depth piece, maybe versatile piece, who's a veteran who could come in and maybe hold it down for you for a while in case the development of the kids doesn't happen or you know or or, or whatever it is. But I think more than likely spending free agency here, and we'll see some of the early portions of the draft help take care of what we're about to talk about the defensive side of the ball. And that goes to, let's start here. And we know edge one, Trey Hedrickson, edge two, Sam Hubbard, edge three. You know, Joseph Osai is the obvious spot there, but can't have enough pass rushers. I, you know, I don't see them spending any kind of significant money on an edge. Mm-hmm. There's guys out there when you get into, you know, they, don't forget they tried to sign Tack McKinley a couple of years ago and it didn't quite work out. And he bounced around, had some failed physicals. If there's some, you know, bargain replacement that's around in the second or third wave who's a Tack McKinley type, that certainly wouldn't be surprising. I could see them trying to double, triple down in case Osai is not the Lawrence Taylor he was in the in the preseason game. But um, I think for the most part, they're going to bank on Osai, Sample, Kareem, probably another draft pick at some point mm-hmm. to try to help fill the depth that's ne- that's needed at, at edge and maybe a bargain replacement to see if he can come in and you can you can catch fire with somebody doesn't even have to be a tack mckinley type it could be tack mckinley he's right. available and he is yeah. we've got him valued at four million that's that's reasonable for that spot but there is a way the talked about what offensive line has become now that on the flip side of that is what edge rushers become there's a ton of them out there. You could find real. You could really find value with a fourth, fifth. This team that if this one thing this team does well is to draft defensive linemen mid rounds. So I do. I, I think they will draft another one there, and you can you can add to the list. I think a lot of people are in love with Joseph Osai being the, the next Lawrence Taylor after his three quarters in Tampa Bay in the preseason opener. You need to kind of pump the brakes there. We we need to see this guy against real offensive linemen, but. For for this exercise, yes, it was almost unanimous. A couple people put sample in there. A couple did go draft picks, but almost everyone went with Osai. He's already under contract. Looks like he's got a great upside. He just made the most sense. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The real question is, you know, I think a, a a thing has happened here. And when you start talking about the offensive line money that you want to spend, you look at how much money they already have rolled into the defensive line. I mean. <laughs> Hendrickson at 15, Hubbard at 10, um, you know, high draft picks and things like that. DJ Reader at 14 per. I mean, how much damn money can you pile into the defensive line? I mean, they love to do it here. They always have. You know, the idea of signing BJ Hill and Larry Ogunjobi, I think, is fool's is in this exercise proves it. It if you really care about the offensive line, you you just can't do it. You can't bring back Ogunjobi and Hill. They both have earned it. They both have played well. I think both their markets, I think. 
I don't know if we have the market perfect. I think they both will be, though, in a six, seven, eight million dollar range. I mean, Ogunjobi was one year, six and a half last year before he had a career year, and he's still in his prime. BJ Hill has very, you know, is, has plenty tread left. I mean, this is a guy who, who, who was really underused in New York, and that was proven when he came here and played really well. Same money, Jay. Let's just say both want three years, 21 million. Exact same money. Hill or Ogunjobi? Who do you take? If it's the exact same money, I would go Ogunjobi. Um, but man, BJ Hill was, he was, I mean, it, he was impressive. Remember, he had two sacks in the opener, and then he was great in the playoffs. And he was he was an under-the-radar, really important piece of this team last year. But I, I just I think there's more upside on Ogan Joby. And I, I went Hill on my sheet because I had 900000 left after I ended. If I had gone Ogan Joby, I would have been over by 100000 And that's another thing a lot of you people did is you just ignored that money available. And like, ah, I'm only over by this much. They'll figure it out. And that's not, kind of not what the exercise was supposed to be. Um, I did that. Yeah. <laughs> so, and there is, there's ways to finagle that. And I, I, I didn't have a problem with that as much going over the cap as I did just blowing off the draft picks. But yeah, I, I, I did, I went BJ Hill just to stay under the cap, but I, I would go, if you're talking, if we're putting the same dollar on both of them, I would go at Ogan Joby. You know, you've got two guys last year who both played really well and I, and I think they're, they're, they're similar and maybe it's a matter of what the negotiation looks like or what the market is maybe less people value Hill or, or people there's more there's certainly a greater sample size out um, on Ogunjobi how about this you know I love I love pass rush productivity PFF mm-hmm. you know kind of it's a, it's a good way to judge not just win rates and, and sacks pressures it's kind of all of it into one both were exactly at 5.1 pass rush productivity last year, Hill and Ogunjobi, at almost the exact same amount. Hill had 451 uh, pass rush snaps and Ogunjobi at 480. They both had eight, had them listed for eight sacks. I mean, they were nearly identical. Um, now, you know, so what are we what are we talking about? You know, it's it's kind of like all right, we, who can you get? the better deal on who, who has the better chance of doing it longer. The only, you know, the a big difference is, you know, you, there's a lot of missed tackles from, from Ogan Joby and that, that went a long way to sort of affecting his grade at some points. Uh, when, when PFF looked at him is okay. Well, you know, it, it's that dings you and you saw that, but I liked, I like Ogan Joby better against the run. And when you when you have Ogunjobi and Reader out there together, you know I think that goes a long way to being able to play lighter boxes. And when the teams are still throwing on those first downs, still be able to get after the passer. And you, you still get that from Hill. And I'm not I'm not trying to to knock him for that. But I think for me, that's maybe if we're differentiating, um, it's it's part of where I would go with that. I another reason I like Ogan Joby better is I I wonder how much of Hill's production was due to um, being fresher, you know, playing 40% of the snaps as opposed to 60, 65. What's he going to look like if he's asked to to carry that heavier load? And is he going to wear down? Is he going to be as productive? Whereas Ogan Joby's done it. He's carried the lion's share and still been the player that he was. I I think they have 
seven million dollars allocated for three technique. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and it's who's which one of those and and if Ogan Joby goes, they will up that to seven and half or eight, whatever Hill is asking for and give it to him. Hard to see a you know, it's just a matter of one of those two guys is gonna gonna be back unless the market goes bananas at three technique, but I doubt that for anybody that watched the combine on Saturday night and saw all the crazy freaks that are out there coming out of this draft, not just at, at, you know, at defensive tackle, at edge, the whole defensive line group. I think a lot of people are going to be looking and saying, you know what, I'll just go get me one of those. And the Bengals will be saying that too. You, we're going to take that $8 million, $7 million, $6 million, we're going to put that towards our offensive line chest or whoever, and then know that we're going to have to draft one of these guys, and there's going to be plenty of them. Second round, third round, take a three technique that can come in and now be your backup. So Hill or Ogunjobi is your starter. Draft pick is your backup. You've got a guy like Tupo in the mix. Maybe there's another Mike Daniels type or Mike Daniels, whatever that looks like. You know, players that can come in and and, and take that over. Right? I think the draft hits them there where that backup should now be some sort of a day two probably draft pick that they're grooming to 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 be the backup there. Um, let's let's keep going and finish out our sheet here. We get into, you know, linebacker three. I mean, they've got a bunch of guys. I mean, Davis Gaither, Bailey, Bocce, all under contract. I mean, the idea of going out and paying other linebackers is pretty silly right now. I don't, I don't see anybody doing that. Um, so we'll, we'll pass over that. I have Davis Gaither in there. Um, so cornerback, after Cheeto, and you have Cheeto at number one, slot Mike Hilton, and then you've got openings. A lot of people did this. I did this. I, I we talked about this last week. You know, at thirty-one overall, corner feels like it could very, really, very much be uh, your starter on on opening day if that's the direction that they go. Yeah, that's. I, I kept going back and forth between D tackle and corner with the, with the first round pick, and I, I do. I think that that, that corner there's going to be. There's going to be guys there for both, but I, I I think I could see them going corner, um, especially if if they they put that seven million they've got allocated into Hill or Ogan Joby. Um, if they can't land either one of those guys, that changes. Then then I think defensive tackle could be the first round pick. But but um, I where I struggled is is I don't really I did I don't know these corners well enough to get because one CB three I've got as a draft pick CB two. I've got as a free agent, and I I like Witherspoon. Um, I, I like Razul Vegas Douglas too, but he's this would be his fourth team in what five six years. That's always kind of a red flag. I haven't dug into these guys' tape to to make an informed. This was more of a, a financial decision, um, but I, I that's what I think that one free agent, one draft pick fills out those two spots. Uh. You know, I don't like to do breaking news on the podcast because we're we're doing this late. But I feel like if there's ever an exception, uh, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers agreeing a four year, two hundred million dollar deal. Uh, I, I can do basic math. I'm great. I'm not great at math, Jay. <laughs> uh, but there's your fifty million uh, yep. when we start talking about Joe Burrow, uh, and that makes him the highest paid quarterback, one hundred and fifty three million dollars guaranteed uh he's back in green bay no trading which is good he's not gonna end up in the afc people so i think if you're looking at it good news not in the afc bad news 
maybe the cost of burrow somehow has gone up unbelievably uh <laughs> and so which you already knew was going to be an astronomical figure but so be it um just wanted to make sure we we, we discussed that any any ramifications i'm not thinking of off the top of your head on that one well, Rasul Douglas is now definitely going to be available because Green Bay is not going to be able to afford to bring him <laughs> well, back. Well, their cap number actually somehow goes down from that, uh, apparently, according to reports. So we'll, we'll see hmm. more on how that goes. Whatever. Um, so just to, just to make sure we reference that here as the NFL world will spend the next three days reacting to that. Um, good for him. Let's um, finish up here this DB discussion. And that involves... Uh, you know, I... Again, I'm not going to go into Eli Apple again. I don't know. Like, whatever. Joe Hayden, is that a better option for you? Let's not forget, last year, you know, the room was built up of three guys they really liked and then a couple of dudes that were basically picked up. You know, Apple was scrap heap. Um, Darius Phillips was just a a pick that was around. They didn't even really like that much. You know, they picked up some guy. Trey Flowers will probably be in the mix this year. A guy they like is a hybrid guy who can play outside for you. It's not like you need an expensive piece at cornerback four, okay, or five. You know, it's 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 one guy. And if that one guy is a draft pick, that one guy is a draft pick, and you and you tr- you work those second and third levels to get cornerbacks. What cornerback four is? Cornerback four is a day. Three is a third wave, second wave, free agency type of guy, and you're trying to find this year's Eli Apple. Maybe that is Eli Apple again. I don't know where he's going to end up. It's going to be guys who the market didn't fall for them. Uh, but it would be, I think, pretty crazy to think that a cornerback would not be drafted in the mix to either be starting day one or your cornerback four who's going to be taking over you hope they hope play over top of a veteran that they have signed and plugged in there who that will be i don't know but i think that's that's what it is we know um the obvious i mean jay can you tell me if anybody will ever is there anybody that wouldn't cut trey waynes i would love to i would just honestly love to know if someone just said they wanted to challenge themselves you know i'm gonna give waynes another shot there's got to be. There's no way. We can't agree on anything as a country except for that, I would say. I, I have not received it. Von Bell is unanimous at coming back. No yeah. one has cut Von Bell, and everyone has cut Trey Waynes. Uh, the other side of the Bates conversation, just to tag this on real quick, uh, that goes into this as we talk about Von Bell and Jesse Bates and the extension, you know, deep safety draft. Mm-hmm. They're going to be taking one to have as their third safety anyway. You now spend a third-round pick on a safety, maybe, whatever, and that guy comes in, he's your third safety this year, and he's your starting safety next year. You better believe that's part of the equation now as they look at what happened with Bates not necessarily having him long-term or Bell. You know, what does Bell look like? He's up after this year. He's in a contract year. Um, But, yeah, I don't think anybody's going to be cutting Von Bell. We did leave that there as an option in case you wanted to. Also, uh, you know, a lot of – vet. it's a big safety market and free agency too that because of the deep safety draft probably will see the market come back to teams, come back to the Bengals, who's this year's – Ricardo Allen, who's this year's you know veteran guy that you can bring in that ends up being a couple million dollars, uh, that can be your third or fourth safety also that can be a part of you know your strategy and building depth there and maybe something down the line. So uh, also that's a part of the equation. Uh, outside of that, Kevin Huber, Clark Harris, you know, um, are you assume Clark Harris is going to be back? Kevin Huber um, could will probably signed, but at the very least we'll be in a competition with Drew Chrisman. Darren Simmons told us that last week at the, at the combine. Um, 
or or maybe somebody else they, that they draft. But they, there's going to be a competition at punter. They they you know you're not seeing as much. That's a minimal figure anyway. I mean, one point five million. You're looking at basically a veteran minimum is what you'd be paying to Huber and Harris. Yeah, I've got Harris coming back, and then I want Chrisman. I just I just feel like the. The, the page is being turned at punter. It, 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 it might have happened last year had Chrisman not gotten hurt in that break between minicamp and training camp. Um, it just I, – I don't want to say it was reading between the lines with Darren because I don't I don't think they're set on anything. This is going to be a truly open competition. But, you know, you, you start talking 37-year-old leg versus 22, 23-year-old leg, and it just feels like Drew Chrisman is, is going to win this competition. And that's where we end up. And Jay, I, I'm gonna, I'm minus a hundred k now. Now I, I can just, you know, what? What am I doing with Eli Apple? He's gone. <laughs> well, uh, I'm going. I'm replacing Eli Apple with bargain replacement. And now I've got an extra one point nine. Now I'm saying, you know what? Maybe I can pay a little extra, and I'll go over to, I'll bump up to Bozeman instead of Jones, or I'll bump up to give a little extra to get. Connor Williams instead of Karras and get somebody younger in there. Uh, you know, this is the discussions that happen in real time as the Bengals go through this next week. And um, these are the decisions on their plate. This is the type of uh, money that 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 they're going to be playing with and the area they view themselves in. So I want everybody to keep that in mind. Don't get caught up in all the other figures you hear about how much money they have. They have a lot of money. They have the ability to do a lot of things. But the way they operate, the way they will operate is the way we just talked through here and the way you can work through on the sheet. People might be frustrated by that. People might, uh, you know, wish it was different. This is the way it is, and so that's why we uh, do it this way. And a lot of people are doing it. We we do. I I gave you guys grief, but I, I do appreciate everybody not just doing the worksheet, but screen capping it and sending it in. And I would prefer if you use the light mode instead of the dark mode. It's really hard to read uh, those of you that do it in dark <laughs> mode, but I'm, I'm getting through it. And uh, like I said, I logged about 40 of them. I do plan to have a story later this week on just looking at the numbers of, of what percentage of people did this with this position and, and who did that with that position. One other side of this that we discussed a little bit last week is, you know, the, the the Burrow contract, right? Okay, so Aaron Rodgers, fifty million, Joe Burrow, fifty million per year. What is that number? You know, I think expectations of the cap is going to go up, not as much as you're about to have to pay your quarterback, but you have a little bit of money there. You've got to start thinking about it. And the, I think the way the Bengals view it, and, and our understanding of the way the Bengals view it, is look, it's not that they're going to set a, set a, a massive extra nugget of rollover this year. It's okay. These contracts they are going to be trying to do this week are not going to have a bunch of big money on the back end. They understand what their financial world looks like in two years and when the borough money starts to hit, when they're going to pay him what they're going to have to pay him. That means and maybe that's part of the, the, the issue with Jesse Bates here is I want more real money in this. I want real, real money down the line. I want guarantees beyond that, and they're not going to do that because – they know that that's going to be given to number nine. And so what do you, you know, that's when you're looking at what that looks like, I think it's going to be, we'll look at the structure of these contracts when they come in next week. What does the structure look like and how much, you know, does it front load into this year, which they love to do anyway. They're going to front load a bunch of cash. It's how they make up for not doing a ton of guarantees. 
Um, but how much more do they front load in this year? How much less is put onto the back end of some of these deals? Because they know that in the next couple of years, their cap is going to have a massive percentage dominated by Joe Burrow's contract. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you never you don't want to say it's a done deal, but you you know where this is going, and they they have to they have to account for it. They don't they're not big on backloading contracts anyhow, but it's they're not going to skimp on free agency this year to to plan for Joe Burrow in the next year. But it does have to enter into your decision making. It's it's not going to completely flip the way they approach things this year, but you you have to plan for it. You, they they have. I mean, you said it. They we we knew he was going to be around fifty anyhow. I don't know that the Aaron Rodgers contract affects that all that much. I think it, it's still we're still talking in that range, but it's 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 one of those it's the one of those classic good problems to have if if you've got a guy like that. It. It comes with a lot of great things, but it it, it, it there there has to be concessions. It, you, there, there's a give and take, and um, next year's free agency period is. Uh, I mean, I'm just trying to think of what this what the choose your adventure is going to look like next year. Uh, once you plug in the the Burrow contract, then you just bargain free agent on everybody else. And Higgins. And Higgins. And Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be a much different conversation to choose. You know, you, those are things that you're going to be talking about in a very different light next year. Um, I, don't, I think next year is going to be one of those years of uh, rack up comp picks, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to see next year, you're going to see, you know, Von Bell, uh, maybe uh, you're. I don't. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not going to off the top of my head do all this, but you know, got whoever guys that their contracts expire uh, are let go, and the Bengals aren't signing any free agents because all of most of their money is allocated in giving big deals to those three guys in particular. It's going to take up a whole lot of of next year's contracts, and then a few of resigning their. Who knows? We don't know what that world's going to look like, but we do know that. Um, this could be your last free agency period here <laughs> because now you get into the thing. Okay. We did draft. Well, we do have our own guys resign. They have a fair amount of that now. Uh, but you, you know, that's coming down the line. Uh, all right. Well, the other thing to look out for this week, we'll find out the, the final Nick Corte, our comp pick expert has the Bengals just narrowly on the outside, looking in on John Ross, John Ross fails them once more potentially. Uh, but we don't know that for sure. The, the, formula is very complicated the Bengals probably would get a fourth round compensatory pick if john ross qualifies he's narrowly on the outside right now according to corte but he may be narrowly on the inside we just don't know that would change the formula and would essentially it would would wipe it out where they would now get one pick and it would be carl lawson so basically if ross qualifies uh as a as one of the top 32 free agents from last year the Bengals will get a extra fourth round pick if he does not, they will get nothing, and so we'll probably we're expecting to find that out by the end of the week, uh, whether they did or did not get it. Uh, that'd be a big deal. We just talked. How many times did we just mention mid round pick, early yeah. day three pick? Be a great place to put that in. It'd be great if they, for them if they had one more of those. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, 
coming this week. Uh, that that'll be that'll be a, a big thing to to watch for. All right. Well, uh, that'll that'll wrap us up here as we headed again. We're on emergency podcast mode uh, next week. So when things go down, whenever they start to go down, we will be here to have reaction pods for you. Probably at the end of a day would be where you can probably look for those. You know, a day of action happens and 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 we'll wrap it up for you. We're not going to do it live at 11 o'clock because one thing happened because these things tend to, they tend to all come in, in bunches at once. So we'll have those for you next week and then we'll be back into, we'll still have always a chance of emergency pods. Let us know. Uh, but, you know, you look for us next week uh, as is on deck, on the ready, always for you. So, uh, all right. Jay, appreciate it, and uh, we will talk to y'all next week. Have a good weekend, and, and we'll talk to you later, everybody.